0: The thought that I'd like for us to to center in on this morning is uh, the location of seeking God. And we can find God anywhere, right? God is everywhere. He's a spirit. He's not a body in one place. He's a spirit. Um, But if we look at places in the Bible where people have spent time with God, we see this pattern of gardens emerging going into the garden to walk with the Lord. And if you think back, before there was buildings, before there was structures, there were people and there were animals, and there was the planet, right? Simple. We're we're garden people. We're creatures. We're made to live on this planet. And so there's nothing wrong or sinful with buildings, but they're not original. They're along the way. They're derivative. They're secondary. They're artificial. A building is an artificial thing in a way that nature is a real thing. And so we see in the garden, Adam and Eve meant to be with God. And, and that garden experience of just walking with him, I think, is kind of like a metaphor, a, a word picture that I'd like to paint to encourage us to kind of step into the garden with God, to experience him. Uh, it reminds me of a friend of mine who just recently put together a garden for meditating. On his property and so it's this little place to kneel to sit there's a stone in the center with a word on it and there's a tree growing and just a quiet place to go and pray uh, we don't get a lot of quiet places given to us so you have to like carve them out and force them you have to force peace into crazy life you have to force silence into lots of noise you have to fight for it So for all those who are looking to experience God, I'd like to consider and just think about gardens as a beautiful way that God has given us to, in Scripture, biblically, to experience him. And three specific gardens. Garden of Eden, in the beginning, Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus went to pray before he was arrested and crucified. This is the Lenten season, so I want to think about that sacrifice of Christ now leading up to Easter in a couple of weeks. Uh, And then Revelation, this new heaven, new earth, a new garden. Ultimately, we're still going to be garden people. We're still going to be made for the earth. And when John had his big vision about what it's going to look like and all these symbols and images, it wasn't painted as mechanical and artificial. It was painted as natural and organic and a city in the middle of trees and rivers of living water. And last week in the sermon, we talked about seeking after God. And so I would like to use these gardens as a way to teach us. And there's seven things I think each of those gardens can show us. So we'll look at those seven things each time. Here's a garden. Okay, how do they show us these things? Okay, here's a garden. How can it show us these things? Here's our third garden. How can it show us these things? Uh, And then I really want us to try to put into practice, this is a homework assignment kind of sermon. I want you to carve out places to get into that garden with the Lord, whether it's a literal garden or whether it's a quiet place in your home or your life. If we don't have a practice of trying to get into the garden with the Lord, then we're going to look back and be like, what happened to life? Why did it go so quickly? And why did I never have that space? And why am I not hearing God? And why does the pace of life never slow down? It's because we don't understand Sabbath. We don't know how to stop. We don't know where to go or what to do to find God. So we sort of stand where we are and hope that he shows up. And we never silence all the other voices to get to the small voice where God really wants to speak to us. I want each of you, I want to hear from God. And I think gardens are this beautiful way to just understand what that's like. So that's what we're that's what we're doing here this morning. And I'd like to start with the first garden. And there's two scriptures that describe this Eden place, how God intended it to be. So I need two volunteers to read from Genesis for us. Who will start us off. Like I said, there's six all together. All right, Nicole, you got the first one. Genesis 2, 8 through 15, and we need one. Would you mind passing her that microphone, Kaylee? She's going to start us off, and then we can kind of get it to the next person. All right, Kayla, great. Uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 13. All right, so we're going to be, usually if you say, I want to like hear from God, we're thinking Prayer. Right? I want to talk to God. Prayer. We think bow our heads, fold our hands, prayer. And that's a part of it. But really, even more than prayer, we're talking about God's presence. Because sometimes you just want to be with Him. It's not about the talking. And it's not about, well, I've got this to say, I better make sure He hears this from me. Or I really want to hear from Him because I need an answer on this. You know, the details sometimes bog us down when the big picture is, you could just get to sit in the presence of God and whatever he or you feel like talking about would be blessed or not. Don't talk if you don't want to. So we're talking about being in his presence, and that involves some talking and communication, but it's not all of it. So again, just kind of open your conception of what it means to meet with God, and let's start from the beginning and let it paint a picture of how the first people talked and walked with God. So yeah, Genesis 2, 8 through 15.
1: Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first with the Pishon, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold... Of the land is good. Aromic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east of Ashur. And the fourth river is the
0: Euphrates. One more, one more, one more. Get our last one.
1: Oh, through 15? Yeah, please. Yep. (laughs) The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it.
0: Perfect. Perfect. This is just a creator God just making a beautiful place and taking people and putting them there for purpose. They weren't put there just to be ornamental. Humans weren't created to be lazy. They were created to work. Human beings weren't created to destroy. They were created to nurture life. And it's just this very basic concept. God started with a garden. So the most intimate place where humanity started with God was in a garden, that's a beautiful truth. It's also a pattern, something we can learn from. So let's look at the uh, the second part of this uh, story. So Kaylee, you're going to read for us. Um, yeah, we're in Genesis three, and I have one through thirteen here. I I think. That, that Yeah, we need to read the whole passage. I was wondering if a section might suffice, but no. Go ahead and read that whole thing for us, please.
2: Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be more like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman said that the tree was good for food, and that it was to delight the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. whom you gave to be with me. She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate.
0: OK. So you have their temptation, the, the desire for more, the desire to know, the desire to be equal with God. The, de- the, de- the temptation was too much for them, as it is for us so many times. So you see this beautiful start. You see the effects of temptation and sin kind of entering the scene. But can everybody, if you're looking at it or just even I can repeat it for us, just listen to Genesis 3.8. It says, Caleb read so well for us, "...they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid." because I was naked and I hid myself. So his shame has already started to come in. Instead of this trust and, and beauty, it's turning to shame. Mankind wasn't made to just be another animal. We were made to have this unique relationship with God as his children, as his family. They heard their father walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's what we were made for. And that's why it's so frustrating. you are like, I've been praying and I don't hear anything. I don't hear God talking to me. It feels wrong because we know there's something so good about that feeling like, oh, I feel God inspiring this. This is meant to be. I, I hear him because that's the way it was meant to be. And it's not, and we'll go through the seven things we can get from this in just a second, but it's not about being in a church building. It's not about being anywhere particular. It's about being where God's put you and being with him in his presence. You know, we are meant to be with him walking, not just going to visit him on Sundays or on Easter or on Christmas. With him walking, to recognize the sound of him walking, you know, know the sound of his voice. Um, And it's why it feels so wrong when we feel alone. We don't feel God's presence. It feels like, "Ah, I'm missing something. I just don't feel him lately. My prayers feel empty. Are you there feels wrong because it's not the way it was meant to be so like i said let's dig into this let's take seven things from it and make them truths that we can apply to our own prayer gardens to our own walk with the lord the first is that god is accessible to adam and eve he's accessible he's there he's there for walking with a lot of times we make him so high and mighty that there's no talking to him i could never pray to god i could never ask him to answer my prayers like i couldn't set foot in front of inside of a church you know the walls, the ceiling would collapse. Like we, just, we feel like God is so holy that he doesn't actually just want to walk with us. God is accessible. Don't put God away from you when he's saying, come close to him. We see that here. That's something we need to practice. Another one is that uh, God is available. His presence is in a garden the same way it's in a cathedral, the same way it's while you're out fishing, the same way it's while you're holding a baby, the same way it's while you're having... It's God is everywhere. And so you don't have to say, well, I I need to get to church to pray. You need to quiet everything and just bow down and pray. You need to walk with God and pray. Go on a walk, maybe, instead of kneeling. Walk with the Lord. Uh, Notice here also it's communal. Fellowship with God isn't supposed to be this lone ranger, isolating kind of thing. Well, that person has a good walk with the Lord, and this person is a prayer warrior. This person's great at connecting with the Lord. This person has a good relationship with God, but I don't. We're meant to be doing this together. Adam and Eve were together in how they walked with the Lord. They walked with the Lord in the cool of the evening. Don't pray alone. Don't be alone. Don't do faith alone. Do it with people. Find people to walk along. That's what God is looking for. He has children, not just one child that he puts in the room by themselves and says, I'll come and I'll visit you sometimes." like, no, enjoy the place I've put for you. Enjoy with the people. So fellowship with God is communal. And that's why Sundays can really bring us together and connect us in a way. We feel like, "Wow, well, I really sense God's presence. Well, he's here as well as anywhere else. But we're seeking him together. It's actually how he intended. And we we see him in each other and we hear from him through each other. It's meant to be communal. Recognize, too, it's grace-based. They didn't do anything to deserve being created. You don't have anything that you can do to deserve talking to God. There's nothing I can do to earn it. I can't be a little bit better and then he'll hear my prayers. I can't forgive my sins and then get perfect and then go talk. No, it's just you're his child. He invites you to come and talk. It's grace-based for them. It's grace-based for us. Uh, it's a relationship, right? Recognize he wasn't giving them the, the church traditions to do here. He wasn't giving them the, the Easter and the Christmas and the Sabbath. He hasn't gotten to that. The basis of it is just he's with you and he's with them. It's just relationship. And sometimes we get lost and we, we forget that we're just supposed to be connected at a friendship level with the God who made the universe. Um, Two more. It's timely. He shows up at that moment because they had fallen to temptation. And so their whole conversation is going to revolve around what's going on in their lives right then. This is the best way to pray. (laughs) What's going on in my life right now? How are you in this, God? I'm in this stage of life, I have this illness, I have this question, I have this need. Like he wants to talk about the things that are going on. He doesn't show up and say, you know, Adam, how are the animals doing? He doesn't show up and say, you've been doing a good job pruning these trees. He says, where are you? And I say, I'm feeling ashamed. And he's like, let's do something about that. That sets in process the whole bringing us to communion to Lent to Jesus, so that sin has a solution. But our prayers should be timely. Seeking God should be the moment that we're in. You know, when we, we open up the news and there's been you know a series of murders or, or attacks, like pray about that. Then, when you have a, a problem at work, you know, pray about that. Then. Seek God for the things that he's doing and where he is in those moments. And then it won't just be a kind of ambiguous relationship. It'll be a timely one. And recognize, too, it's uh, daily. It was daily for Adam and Eve. They said, it says here, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. To me, that means that he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. That was the sound and that was the time. So it's time to go for a walk with God. God's showing up. We're going to walk with him. We're going to talk about the animals, the management of his creation, Learn from him, experience him daily. You can't leave gardens untended for days and weeks and months, and you can't leave relationships untended for days and weeks and months, and you certainly can't leave your relationship with God untended. It'll, it'll wither. It'll suffer. It'll be there, but it won't be what it could be. So let's go to the second garden and take these seven insights and apply them to Jesus Jesus as he sought the Father at the most critical, painful time in his life. So we're at the Garden of Gethsemane, just before his arrest. I need two more people to read these passages. What do we have for our our readers for this? We're in John chapter 18 and then Matthew chapter 26. All right, Michelle, John 18, 1 through 5. Kaylee, if you could get her the mic. And then... Who's next? John? All right, great. Then you can be ready with Matthew 26, 36 to 50. Matthew 26, 36 to 50. So Jesus had this long standing pattern of going away to pray, right? It says he went up on the mountain to pray, went off by himself to pray. He had this ongoing daily relationship with God for sure. But at this critical time in his life, crisis moment, we need to observe how he prayed. And, and see what it can teach us. So go ahead, Shell. John eighteen one through 5.
3: Having said these things, Jesus left with his disciples and went across the ravine of the Kidron. There was a garden there, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who was betraying him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having obtained the Roman cohort, and some officers from the high priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was about to happen to him, went to them and asked, Whom do you want? They answered, Him. They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus said, I am he. And Judas, who was betraying him, was also standing with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, whom do you want? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you want me, let these men go on their way.
0: All right, yeah, that's perfect. You see our patterns here in some little ways. Initially, before we read the Matthew one, recognize... um, Verse 2 says, Judas, who betrayed them, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. They always went to the garden to pray. That's what they always did. They went there all the time. Whenever in in that area, they would go and they would pray. It wasn't just, oh, there's this garden here, and I have a crisis moment, so I better call on God. There was this daily, this ongoing interaction. They sought out the garden as a quiet place. See, the communal nature, they went there to pray together. He prayed with his disciples. It's timely. What is the need of the moment? He prays about that. So we're seeing our our echoes of these things that make our encounters with God powerful. We're seeing them. So let's add the Matthew 26 account to it. It's uh, verse 36 through 50. You see more of how Jesus spoke, what happened in this same moment.
4: Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane. but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, John.
0: I specifically like in this how Jesus is, in so many ways, praying the Lord's Prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, yet he's praying it for himself. Your will be done, your kingdom come. Um, give me what I need today and daily bread for this moment, keep me out of temptation that I might not be weak, you know, deliver me from evil, which God does through death and out. You know, there's, there's a wonderful parallel here, and that's, that's what we see in Jesus. We see this insight into how to go about connecting with God, into how to pray. It's what he is. He is God revealed. If we don't have Jesus, we just look around and take our best guess. And we can take some good guesses, maybe someone beyond, be on, some will be off, but Jesus reveals and the things he shows us give us access, show us what it means to be with God. If we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. So do you see our seven things in this? Uh, God is accessible to Jesus when he prays. He can meet him in a garden. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't go to the Sanhedrin. He didn't go to his place where he prayed in his house. He went to the garden. God is everywhere. God is available um, it's communal again. He goes and prays with his disciples, but you see for him, like he goes deeper and deeper and deeper into prayer. This is a good word for us too. Ma- majority of us here, I know have, have been saved and believers for years and are growing in your faith. Sometimes we get stuck at levels of like, superficiality in our faith, and we need to be encouraged to go deeper. And this, to me, is Jesus showing that he can go deeper and deeper and deeper into prayer places his disciples couldn't even get yet. You know, maybe we pray before mealtimes, or maybe we pray at bedtimes, and that's like a level or a place of prayer. And maybe we come together and pray with other Christians. But do we go deeper? Is our prayer life part of how we breathe, how we live every day? You know, would you just pray a generic prayer? Take a different example. And I say, God, just... Uh, uh, help me today? Or would you take it deeper, like Jesus goes deeper into the garden and say, God, help me today with that coworker that I don't know how to handle. Help me today with that you know, glass of wine that I should say no to. Help me today with the things that make me angry. Okay, well, now you've taken it a step too. Jesus goes deeper still and is like, well, why, why do we have this problem? Father, save this person at work. Like, set them free from the things that are making their life such a mess. You know, our anger, What what is that in me, Father? Is there things from my life that have scarred me or wounded me? Can you heal me of those things? Not just help me today, have a nice day, not just help me stay out of trouble, but like what's in me that you could work on? And go deeper than that and say, what are in the people around me that you want to work on? How could you use me in the lives of the people sitting next to me to say, God loves you and wants more for you and he's, he's here for you. Let's seek him out together. And go deeper than that and say, well, what are the forces and things, things like greed, things like insecurity, things like fear that are at work against us? Let's pray again. Against those, let 's pray for others, let 's dig deeper in prayer. Jesus doesn 't just go to the garden, sit there with his buddies, and like Jesus or says, "Father, help me out." no he 's like, we have to pray, and we have to, we have to stick to this let's go deeper, and he brings some more with him, let 's pray deeper, and he goes further and further, and we need deeper and deeper encounters with God, and anything we get is beautiful, but God is limitless, so there's always deeper to go don 't settle. Don't sell yourself short. Dig deeper in prayer. Dig deeper into God's presence. And with Jesus here, it's certainly timely. He didn't go to the garden and then ask for random prayers for random times or other circumstances. What was on his heart, the issue of that moment, was arrest and death. So that's where he was at. And so he went right to the heart of it. Okay, God, this is what is going on. Be with me. Your will, not mine but we have to do this together because I can't do it alone. So the same points encouraging us. Another garden where someone stood next to the Father and met with him and encountered him. Our third one. Last two are both in the book of Revelation. One is in Revelation 21, and the other is in Revelation 22. So I need two final readers for this last garden. Any volunteers? All right, Kaylee, thank you. So, the first one is Revelation 21, 1 through 7. And the second one, if we could have someone get that one ready too. How many people wanted to read this morning? All right, great. What is it? It is Revelation 22, 1 through 5. So, third garden, third encounter of the presence of God. And um, yeah, Kaylee, read the first one for us. Revelation 21, 1 through 7.
5: Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God with man
0: All right, see, he's going to give life without payment. There's the grace-based thing. Again, you don't deserve heaven, but it's offered. And so we accept. We accept God's grace. We don't earn it. Um, You see that it's meant to be uh, new heaven, new earth, the city of God, the presence of God dwelling with them. It's communal. It's all the people together. Um, Yeah, let's read the second one, and then we can go through the rest of our, our points. So Revelation 22, 1 through 5.
3: will be in it and his servants will worship him they will see him face they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more they will need no lamp light of lamp or sun for the lord god will be their light and they will reign forever and ever
0: all right, so in heaven, God is fully accessible. He is available to all. It's communal, it's grace-based. There's relationship there. It's time, like, what's the, the season of life for these yeah. folks, for us eventually in this moment? It's just praise. It's peace. The, the conversations we get to have with God then are not the agonizing ones. What will I do? It's the thank you, God, you're beautiful, God. Like the, it's a season of rejoicing without pain, without death, and it's daily. It's minute by minute. It's so this garden is where we're going. A garden's where we come from. Jesus goes into the garden to seek the Father, and I challenge us to say, what is our encounter with God looking like Today, What does it look like in our lives? Now, you cannot get by by just doing the right things. You cannot get by. You will not make it by saying, oh, well, I just did you know, a five-minute little reading today, and oh, I, I pray like, try to pray once a day, I try to get to church. That's not what it means to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbors yourself. It's a pursuit, and it's a pursuit that wants to know more. When you love someone, you want to spend more time with them, and you dig deeper because there's more to know. And God has infinitely more to offer than anyone else so anything that you pursue now is just a shadow and a reflection of how much you could dig into the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God how great how unsearchable are his judgments right like God and we make him God in a little tiny word that's kind of understandable we probably picture an old guy sitting on a throne with white hair like we do we do injustice to him when we think that way And when we think of him as just the person to answer our prayers, like, oh, what do I need? And then we, we do injustice to God because we treat him as if he's just like a retailer and he's got products that we need. And so if we give him the things that he wants, he gives us the stuff that we need. No. He's your father and he loves you and he made you and he wants to be with you and he wants you to search after him. The worst thing is when you love someone they don't care about you in return. And yet that's what we do to God all the time. And he deserves so much more love than any of the people that we love here, be they parents, siblings, spouses, relations, so much more. Let's not do him injustice by saying, oh, yeah, I pray. How's your walk with the Lord, right? We hear that question sometimes. Oh, it's pretty good. And we instantly think, when's the last time I read my Bible? Ooh, uh... We gauge it by all sorts of weird metrics. How's your walk with the Lord? Like, oh, I was in the garden with him the other day. I recognize the sound of him walking through my conflict with my spouse. I recognize the sound of him walking through my illness. I recognize the sound of him walking as I'm talking to my neighbor, as you're bringing your kids back and forth from school. You're just with him. And that's going to make every moment different. And bring impact to it all in a way that prayer, if you make it a simple thing and your walk with the Lord is a simple thing, will just sell you short. God's still great and He's still good, but you won't be digging into all the potential of that relationship that there is. So, may these three gardens be a challenge for you to get into the garden with the Lord, to go for walks with the Lord, to talk with Him more than just have a prayer time, to seek out His presence. And that it be timely and conversational to do with others versus just going to church. Because I know in every way that we do that, we'll experience the same things that Adam and Eve did, that Christ did, that the saints in glory will, that we will. Just that closeness and that richness. And we'll have to feel that feeling of, ah, I just haven't heard from him in a while. I just feel distant. None of us want that. And this is a way that we can dig in to break through. And go deeper into the Lord. So let's close in a word of prayer. Music team, let's come forward and close with a song, but let's just take a moment to reflect on God and to to pray together. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to pave the way for us to connect with the Father. Thank you for your sacrifice for us this Lenten season. Thank you that you are willing to do the Father's will pray that you'd help us be willing to do his will as well. Father, draw us into your presence. We're seeking after you. Please draw us in closer and closer. And help us to see you each day. In the people and the faces and the situations and the gardens that we find ourselves in this week. I ask your blessing on each one here. Uh, may you meet with us this week in a special way. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.